So some of you um, good church folks probably grew up hearing about uh, this man named Job. And we catch up with Job today at the end, uh, almost to the end of his story. If you remember from Sunday school, Job was a very wealthy man. Uh, Job had a lot going on for himself. Job lived in the finest house in the neighborhood. Job had the best wife and the best kids and all the riches and ate the finest food. Everything went exceptionally well for Job. And as the story goes, the devil is like, oh, I bet I can get Job to mock you or scoff you or renounce you. God is like, I don't think that's going to happen, but go right ahead and, and test Job. So all of a sudden, all of Job's things are taken away, taken away from him. Job ends up suffering. Say to me, this is the Cliff Notes version. There's 46 chapters in the book of Job. We're already at 47. Job then suffered a whole lot of calamities. A lot of his family died. Children were gone. The money was gone. Everything just seemed to vanish. And what is recorded here is that it is the adversary, remember we've talked about this word before when it comes to Satan. What the Bible uses, this term in the Hebrew is adversary. can be translated here for Satan. The adversary came and said, I bet I can get Job to turn his back on you. But Job maintains. He continues to believe in God. He continues to think that God is on his side. He maintains his belief and his trust in God. Job goes so far not to even curse God, but Job then says, I cursed the day I was born. He cursed his own self before he even would curse or admit that God has sent the calamity and the suffering and the pain that was upon him. Eventually, we find that his friends start saying things like some of our friends do. Job, you know, God has promised you. You have too much stuff. Job, you know, God has promised you. You stayed out too late that one time. Job, you know, God has promised you because of what you drink or what you eat. Job, you know, God, they start talking. Those good religious folks hmm. telling him about how God is punishing him because of who he is and what he has and how he lives. But Job said, and then the scripture says there's a mediator that shows up and says, all of you have it wrong. God is not against Job. Then scripture says that God says, Job, I know life sucks right now, but I want you to pray for your friends. Can I pray for me a lesson first? You want me to pray for my friends as I sit here in the midst of all of this suffering? And so Job then agrees to pay for, pray for his friends. Our scripture today ends right at verse 6. It says, therefore, I relent and I find comfort on dust and ashes. 
And our scripture then skips ahead to verse 10. My favorite part, it says, Then God changed Job's fortune when he prayed for his friends. And God doubled all of Job's earlier possessions. Then God changed Job's fortune when Job said, I relent. I will just be here on these dust and these ashes, O God, and I question you. I will do whatever it is that you are asking me to do. We are now a little bit more advanced than the writers of this text, and we know that life just comes at us. God does not send any calamity. Sickness comes, suffering comes, all of it comes. But we have a choice. Do we turn to blame God? Do we turn to listen to our friends? Or do we just say, this is what has come my way, but I maintain, I will continue to believe and to trust God. Right now, there is so much suffering and struggle in this congregation. One person said to me yesterday, you know, I'm just so mad at God because of what has happened. But I know it's not
of a portion can quote unquote be saved. And what I said yesterday was I understand the statement, but I would rather people actually understand, believe it, and live the statement. What I did add, Marcus and Paul, is that people may say they believe, but do they act like they believe? This is about acting as though you believe in this story. Some people say, well, that is absolutely ridiculous. A person is born of a virgin, and then they get crucified under Pontius Pilate, and then they're raised from the dead after they die. That is absolutely ridiculous. That's what some would say. But we get too caught up in the story and the science behind the story and how it may or may not have worked. The point of the story, the point of this life of Jesus is to bring us to believe in a God who is working to restore and to renew us on all accounts. It is a story that is meant to move us to a place of faith and fidelity and trust and belief. Yes, it may mess with your mind and not seem like it's right, but it's meant to bring us to a place of belief. So I can't understand why so many believers who have been saved walk around complaining about their life and complaining about what God is going to do and complaining about their bills and complaining about their family and complaining about their job. I thought you were a believer. I thought you believed in this man that got up out of the grave. But you got more complaints than people that don't believe. See, anybody can say it and become a member and claim to be saved. But do you believe? If you believe, it ought to move you to some other kind of mindset. It ought to move you to a victorious mindset. It ought to move you to believe beyond your circumstances. Yes, it was a bad diagnosis. Yes, our bodies are getting older, older. Yes, we may not be able to pay the bills. Yes, foreclosure might be coming. Yes, there might be calamity. Yes, we have much political trouble. But God, where is the faith? Where is the belief that even though that's Oh! 
God, we believe and we trust you. 